Hi there, I'm Jen Hill Christie, and you're listening to Preacher. This podcast is designed around the reality that many of our churches are shrinking because we haven't created a place where everyone can belong. So if you're seeing that reality in your own church, or you've experienced that and left the church, this podcast is for you. Welcome. Hello, beloved Preacher community. It's so good to be together again, and I am excited to share season two with you. In season two, we're going to continue on through the rest of the book of Luke. Before we get to today's sermon, I am super pumped to tell you about a project I've been working on. As you may know, I've been writing and speaking and teaching for many years, and earlier this year started this podcast. The response to all of this work that I am so grateful to be part of has been tremendous. You guys are eager to hear women preach and to talk theology and doubts and church and be inspired to build bigger tables. There's a deeper reason you're here. You know that church engagement and attendance are declining. Maybe you're still showing up, but things aren't as simple as they once were. Maybe you're doubtful, disenchanted, and you spend your Sundays disgruntled and disappointed. Maybe you already left, frustrated with all of the ways in which the church is falling short of the hopes and dreams we have for it. I am right here with you. But all those doubts and frustrations, they don't get the last word. Because together with all of my doubts, I still cling to faith in the God who created us and declared us very good. A God who had hope for us, a God who lived as one of us, who loves us and who promises to be with us every day, always and forever, no matter what. In the midst of my righteous anger and desperation with a world, and let's be honest, a church that seems hopeless, I have hope for the day when all things will be made right. And it's not a blind optimism or sitting back and wishing for something different, waiting around. I am committed to doing something. I won't just check out, disengage, and keep my distance. Wherever you find yourself, let's agree to resist complacency. Together, let's do something. Because God is still at work in the world, and the world is still in desperate need of God, maybe now more than ever. And the church isn't just a dream worth fighting for. For years, I've been asking, why does the church even matter anymore? Because honestly, it's easier to just give up and walk away. We can find community and friendship and support and challenge and encouragement elsewhere, lots of other places. But that's not all that the church is. The church, the church worldwide and eternal, it's all of that and more. It's the actual body of Christ here on earth. It's a huge way that God is still dwelling with us and living among us. I believe God does live in each of us, and God lives in the community called the church. The church is a living organism that was created to serve God's mission in the world. It's always growing and changing because it's a living organism. And it's meant to be a contrast community, showing the world God's preferred future that's already breaking in, showing the world what's possible, what could be. It's where we show up again and again, bruised and doubting and angry and sad, and we're loved. We're fed. We receive the body and blood of Jesus again and again, and we are reminded of that beautiful body that was broken to make us whole, 
the blood that was poured out to fill us up. The church has a tremendous capacity to hurt. There's no denying that. Huge, huge capacity to hurt, but also to heal, to tear down as well as to build up, to enforce its own exclusionary practices, or to extend God's full inclusion. Because God goes ahead of us. It's never going to be perfect. And that is okay. It has to be okay. It's complicated and messy and baggage ridden just like we are. But let's at least shift the balance in a positive direction so that we're erring on the side of grace, forgiveness, hospitality, inclusion, and healing. I am interested in a healed church that can heal people. And I think you are too. We need dreamers and Jesus lovers and calling embracers and table builders. I love creating content to help you feel challenged, inspired, and empowered to lean in, engage, and follow the God who goes before us. I want to put even more energy and more time into this, and I want to provide even more value to you. I'm launching a new way to engage with this work. It's kind of an inner circle called a Patreon community. This model gives friends and fans new ways to engage and join in this work. At the same time, it provides me with a sustainable income, which allows me to keep putting out great content and more. If you're not familiar with it, the way Patreon works is basically this. Like there's a creator who might be an artist, a writer, a podcaster, a community builder, a theologian. So there's this creator who sets up a membership site where people like you can join to support the work and engage in ways that you're interested in and feel good about. This is an opportunity for you to join and partner with me and with this community in reaching literally anyone in the world who's online reaching them with God's transforming message of love and inclusion so that we can be a healed church that can heal people. If this sounds like something you want to be a part of, join our Patreon community. I'll include links in the show notes so you can get all the details. Um, But you should know that the very first ever members only letter is going out soon. So after today's episode, be sure to hop over to the Patreon site and sign up at any level so that you don't miss out. And now to our text. So I'm going to share a sermon with you from Luke chapter 10 um, from the first 12 verses. And I want to share first how this story has been working on me lately. I've been dwelling in this story for about two months. Um, During the first week of October, I went to a ministry conference in Rochester, Michigan called Streaming. It's um, the brainchild of Dr. Mark Love, my mentor and friend who um, directs the conference every year. I've gone almost every year since it's been um, happening, and it's an awesome conference. Highly recommend. The main focus or the maybe the foundation on which this conference is built is missional theology. It's about listening and discerning and joining God in God's work in God's world for the sake and redemption of all of God's creation. So I was at this awesome conference that Mark puts on every year, and every year we spend some time dwelling in the word together. So we take a story from the Bible. Um, This is how we dwell. This is the, the dwelling in the word practice, okay? We take a story from the Bible, and someone reads it aloud slowly, usually more than once. And we listen with not only our ears and our minds, but also our hearts and our spirits. We open ourselves to whatever God might have for us in that moment. 
We listen expectantly. And when a word or a phrase jumps out to us and won't let us go, we lean in and we dwell there. We just stay there and sit with it and we listen. We approach it with curiosity and wonder. We let it roll around in us and wonder what it might mean. Then we turn to a reasonably friendly looking stranger and share with them what jumped out at us. Then they do the same. Then if we want to, we can share with the whole group. But the thing is, we can only share what our neighbor heard. It's an awesome practice. Um, And on that chilly autumn day in Michigan, as we dwelled together in Luke 10 verses 1 through 12, I was floored by the variety and honestly, the sheer volume of insights that the people gathered around that room heard. It really never ceases to amaze me how we can approach the same text over and over and over and hear something different or new or have it, you know, touch us in a different way. Um, It's really, really cool especially when you're doing it in community and hear, you know, what jumps out to somebody else or what 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 insights they have. All right, so here's the text. Luke 10 uh, verses 1 through 12 and I'm reading from the NRSV. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, "The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few." Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, on that day, it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. The word of the Lord. He sends out 70 people. 70. That's a lot. Those are just the ones that he sends. That's not all of his followers. So let's think about this loyal tribe that Jesus was able to build. He's been traveling and working miracles and teaching, but he can't be everywhere at once and he knows his time is limited. So out of the many, many people who have been following him, he chooses 70 of them to send out. Who do we know? What prominent figures might be able to send out 70 of their followers to continue spreading the word? I mean, plenty of us are willing to share a post or retweet a message Lots of influencers have affiliates who will promote them through webinars and blog posts and special appeals. But really, who just drops everything and goes out, like goes, goes out on the road as an ambassador? And who can find 70 people willing to do that? I don't know. That just strikes me as significant. Also, side note, I had always assumed that the 70 were men, but the text gives us no reason to assume that. And since we know that women were among Jesus' followers, 
It actually seems likely that the women were among those 70 as well. So just side note. But they're sent in pairs. And I think that's significant because the work of ministry can be lonely, especially if you're the only one on staff at a church. But even if there's a large staff, I mean, just being under the microscope, always being on, it can feel very isolating and like you can't really be your full self with anyone, which feels pretty lonely. So we don't go it alone. Have at least one partner that you can be your full self with, a partnership of encouragement and trust and support. Here's the thing about the harvest. All right. Growing up, I always heard the scripture being preached or taught as a, quote, missions text. Like God was saying, okay, we need people to go out and work the fields and teach people about Jesus so they can be saved, so they can be part of this harvest. But this crazy thing came up for several of us when we were dwelling at the streaming conference in Michigan. And actually, um, we dwelled in this text again when I went um, for a church retreat in in New York. So this thing came up um, where... We noticed that the text says the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. The workers aren't going out to plant seeds or convert people. They're not going out to baptize people. God is the farmer. God just needs workers to gather up the good things that God has already planted and grown. I mean, that was a huge aha moment that's that's still working on me. And I'll be curious to hear um, what you guys think and kind of what you what you sense in that. Okay, what about the part where Jesus says he's sending them out like lambs in the midst of wolves? Was that an encouragement? Was it a warning? Is he telling them to be gentle and timid and fearful like we know lambs are? Is he warning them that others will try to attack them? I mean, is this a reminder that he's the shepherd and they're just the lambs? He gets so specific with these instructions. You know how in, in lots of other places in the Bible, we sometimes wish that Jesus would have just given us some more specifics, right? Like, couldn't he have just made it clear so we wouldn't be arguing about these things in our churches? But he doesn't give us those specifics. Okay, but here he tells them so specifically, he says, don't take any money, don't take any extra shoes, don't talk to anyone on the way. And I think these instructions are about them putting their trust in him and in his message. They're not supposed to bring things that would give them um, a sense of security or a way that they could just kind of do it all on their own. They have to depend on the hospitality of the strangers they will meet. They have to put their trust in the one who sent them, right? They aren't bringing spare shoes. So if something happens to the ones that they're wearing, they're going to have to rely on other people. They aren't bringing their wallets, so they're going to have to rely on others to house and feed them. And they're supposed to eat whatever is set before them. This isn't just about preferences, you know, like the picky kid who is told to eat what they're served. These are Jews who might be served food that isn't kosher, but they're supposed to eat it anyway. Whenever they're received and welcomed into the home of one of these strangers, they're supposed to stay there. Don't go looking for someone else who has tastier food or better wine or a more comfortable bed. Stay there and eat and drink whatever they provide and cure the sick among them. Be with the people. Be with these people that you've been sent to. Have you noticed that so far, this, quote, mission has consisted of 35 pairs of people going out into 
other towns, staying in the homes of people they don't know, eating and drinking whatever is provided for them, and curing the sick. Have you noticed what hasn't even been mentioned yet? Jesus didn't tell them, go to the town square and hold up a sign and warn people of the coming wrath. He didn't say, get on a bullhorn and make sure everyone hears that they're sinful and they need to repent. He said, go. Live among the people. Accept their hospitality. Befriend them. Cure the sick. Notice, this is what Jesus spent 90% of his life doing before he entered public ministry. And once the relationships have been established, let them know what you know about God's community, about God's preferred future. Let them know that it's coming and it's already here, but not totally yet. Tell them what you've witnessed and how close God is. So what might it look like for us to be among those 70? How might we live as these sent ones? Be your full self and surround yourself with people you can be real with. Remember that God is the farmer and we are invited to join in the good work of gathering and celebrating. And God's mission of redeeming the world, restoring the right relationship of humanity and creation and God, that starts with us being good neighbors, good hosts, and good recipients of hospitality. It starts with us working on our relationships, with us making friends. Let's be the 70, my friends. Peace be with you. If today you find yourself on the outside, without a seat at the table or a voice in the conversation, may you lean into the truth that you're always welcome in God's community. If you are one who wears the name minister, pastor, elder, shepherd, or are otherwise known as a faith leader, may you extend God's yes to those you might have said no to in the past. May you be emboldened and encouraged to honor the space that God has already created for all. Let's build bigger tables together. If something in you was stirred today, reach out. Hearing from you really does help to shape the future of this podcast. You'll have the greatest impact and opportunities for engagement by joining our Patreon community by clicking that Become a Patron button on our page, patreon.com slash jenhalechristie. And I would love for you to connect with me on Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook at jenhalechristie. Lastly, you would really help others to connect with this work if you would subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you next time.